This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi everyone and welcome to What A Night, the, the full A-team, Shawnee, Jude, Dan Kilpatrick and Hunter Godson um, here to break down a nil-nil, I'm saying a nil-nil over Chelsea because it keeps Spurs top of the table, whatever you thought of their performance, Spurs still sitting pretty on a wedge goal difference. Um, what's the overriding feelings just before we get into it off the back of that game Sean I saw you said that it happened or something to that effect you've got no no hot take either way yeah that was the main thing it reminded me of a scene of it was in Futurama where it's like they have the neutral planet where it's like everything's grey they have no opinions or anything and uh, they ask about like they ask him about a war or something and he goes I have no strong feelings either way and that's exactly how I feel about the match yesterday that's, uh, I've seen some things and some stuff wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, I came up with my, my main takeaway from yesterday is that um, Dan doesn't know ball. <laughs> yeah, that was a very oh, yeah. good Twitter exchange. A very good Zero ball knowledge. Zero ball knowledge. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if I've been somehow vindicated by Hoiberg and Regulon's performances I think, or whether I think you were. actually Kante and Chilwell edged I, it. I love those ones. It's such a it's such a killer new new age burn, isn't it? Nah, this guy doesn't know ball. No ball <laughs> yeah. knowledge, this guy. <laughs> and there's no return. Yeah. From it so, yes, I do know That's ball. <laughs> I've no, seen I ball. Yeah. <laughs> I know many ball. Yeah. <laughs> Multi balls. Multi balls. Um, Judy, what did you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. Killer. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I probably won't be chatting to my grandkids about it but you know to make a podcast about it you know will I mean? you how many games so far this season will you talk to your grandkids about uh united maybe city what about brighton what about brighton yeah oh, Gareth brighton, Bale. what a massive game yeah 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 of course of course up you come up you come now <laughs> off the bench because that so that would suggest that by the end of the season we just almost average it out. It would mean that you might have seven games or eight games that you remember from the season really wholeheartedly. Mm. Does I that bother we... you? In... <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't think we get this deep on that. Well, the reason why I ask, because I think is actually quite important thematically for this pod, because like many other games so far this season, there's a lot of forgettable stuff in there, mm. but Spurs are top of the table. And if you'd said beforehand, you'll go to Stamford Bridge and get a point, you'll beat City at home. I'd imagine we all would have taken that, no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was more worried about City. I mean, I'm sorry, about Chelsea than City. I think I said it said it afterwards. I, thought, I feel like City is so uh, vulnerable to that style that we were going to play. Whereas Chelsea, you know, we'll get, in, we'll get into it. But, you know, they're much more pragmatic. You know, Pep, Pep plays in that style and, and it's be-all, end-all. And, and you know he can be hurt in that style. Whereas Lampard sort of... You know, the, the the headlines will say that we sat back and we tried to get them. But, I mean, I don't... Chelsea Chelsea played the ball in such safe areas, tried to keep possession, didn't turn it over very often and uh, didn't threaten us that often. So, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, you know, with these games, as we said before, the tactic was always going to be to sit back. And if that's what it, that's what it takes to stay top of the league, I've watched... Man United do it over the years. I've watched Chelsea do it over the years. I've watched Arsenal do it over the years. Go and then go and win league titles. So maybe it's our turn. Dan, this is a very heavy question to be launching out at the top of the pod. Are Spurs a better side on paper than Chelsea? I think it's pretty evenly matched in terms of the squads. I probably, I mean, this this takes us back to my ball knowledge, doesn't it? The combined <laughs> Uh, and combine 11s, I mean, let's face it, they're, they're a bit of fun designed to basically provoke exactly that reaction of people. Exactly. But nonetheless, sometimes sometimes it can be kind of revealing to, to just think about which team is strongest on paper. and Yeah, and, and decide just who knows ball best. Um, and it, I, I went through the, the kind of best 11s, man, man to man, and I think it's pretty close in there. Um, and I think Spurs have the only two players in Kane and Son who, who you, you can't question. Um, in, in almost every other position, it's it's a pretty close call. I think. Um, so I think probably in terms of squad depth, Chelsea might just edge it. I think that's possibly because we still don't know quite how good kind of Roden and and Vinicius and players like that are, are going to be. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it's pretty tight. Okay, let's let's get into the thick of it then. So what do people enjoy about the game? What are the things that people got some good vibes from? I know it's difficult to kind of go too deep on this, but there were some good things in there. Um, and I'm offering that out to anyone that wants to take first dibs. I think we should do Roden because I I think it was essentially a very encouraging debut defensively. He was a bit shaky on the ball. He didn't look particularly good in possession and... Really, where Spurs missed out of field wasn't necessarily in kind of dealing with balls into the box and and standing up to to Chelsea attacks. It was it was his distribution, which is is very good, and perhaps we've come to take for granted over the last sort of five or six years. That was missing, but I don't think it was like we we missed uh, him in in terms of you know getting his head on on crosses or. Or yeah, kind of stepping out of defence to to intercept passes. That Roden did both those things very well. Um, mm. So it was pretty encouraging. And, and by all accounts, like he is supposed to be like a, a, a baller. He's got ball skills and maybe ball knowledge. Um, <laughs> we'll so, have to wait I to think, see his uh, combined eleven yeah, though first. <laughs> well, precisely. Yes. But I think that side of his game w- will come. There'll be 
there'll be easier tests. Um, but I think we, we can say that he kind of passed this one pretty well and it's it's looking good for him. Yeah, was... Dan, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking that we, I wasn't shocked by anything, which is probably a, a compliment to him because I, th- I sort of thought he'll be very good in the tackle, he'll be good in the air and he won't be that good in possession because that's sort of what we've been told and that was exactly what we saw is that, you know, he made a couple of mistakes early on with the ball, sort of passed it out of play, then lost it for the, the offside Werner goal. But in terms of getting there in front of Tammy Abraham uh, on two or three absolutely juicy crosses that were put in by Rhys James, he did exactly that and put him off. And yeah, it's 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 encouraging to know that we, we might have another sort of hard man defender who can who can really take a back to wall um game because you feel like Davinson Sanchez maybe isn't built for those sorts of games and and you know we don't really have much depth there I mean Tanganga Mourinho said last week didn't he that he thinks he's actually a, a fullback first and foremost and, and then a centre-back he can play there so good to good to find another player who can play there and yeah I think I think like you said uh, he had a, he had a good performance, and we missed all the. And we, I said exactly that to my my dad. I turned to my dad. I went, I think we take Alderweireld's passing for granted, you know. And yeah, I think when he's back, we'll uh, I'll take it more. I'll, I'll, I'll praise him on Twitter. I'll praise him, and he'll see it, and he'll say thank you, almost definitely. <laughs> <laughs> he'll say I know ball. Johnny, <laughs> did yeah. you did you enjoy the defensive? Um performance full stop if you take out the attacking side of things were you impressed with how Spurs defended I guess so yeah I think with Roden in particular I tweeted yesterday that maybe making that kind of error in the 10th minute or so which led to a disallowed goal was maybe the best thing because it meant that he could get that error kind of out of his system he could kind of learn from it it changes the way that he sees the game but it's not any detriment to the team it's still nil-nil and I think maybe if I put my tinfoil hat on a bit like maybe that's why he commits to the area in the last minute as well he's trying to play it safe he's trying to get it back to Lloris he's not trying to really be fancy with it but yeah he did well I was really impressed with Sergio Aria and it seems that I'm impressed with Sergio Aria quite a lot now mm. I think we need to maybe accept that he's a good Premier League right back because I, I think that he does get a lot of stick particularly when you talk to rival fans he's like oh he's always got an error in him he's always you can't trust him you don't know what he's going to do but he's been pretty solid for a while and I think the signing of Doherty has been like when we signed Ben Davis and it pushed Danny Rose onto another level and it's just kind of nice to have that kind of depth and these options across the back line because you know we were so bad defensively last year and now we have the best defenders in the league in terms of record so <laughs> really nice to have again What do you put that down to Sean what, like when when you say we've got the best defence in the league obviously on paper we have the, 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 in terms of the stats we have the best defence in the league do you think at the moment that that is an accolade we can stand behind or do you think we've got the best defence in the league because of uh, also our sort of simmering ambition in the final third as opposed to scorching hot um <laughs> flames <laughs> everywhere yeah. attacking setup. Yeah, it's it's definitely a bit of that because I think we've seen with Arsenal now like they were only good defensively because they were so like blunt and attack whereas we can actually turn it on when we go forward. But for us it's like we've got the protection in Hoiberg now, we've got and Don Blaise is so cool is doing those kind of hard ass jobs. Whoever's playing 
the opposite wing to Song is doing a kind of hard job there as well. And I think one of the things that's helped as well is Dyer kind of surprised all of us with how settled he's looked, getting a run of games in the position he wants to play, and that's obviously really helped. And yeah, it's just nice to have that kind of settled team because a lot of teams around us haven't had that settled team yet as well. So we'll probably get another injury at some point, not just to Elderville, but to someone else. But so we've got to be prepared for that, I guess. But it's all it's all good to this point. Yeah, there was a moment with Dyer yesterday where Abraham sort of went round him and it was very similar to when Pogba went round him in the United game mm. like a, a few months ago. And he pulled and in you know, in that game he, he makes the mistake and then he makes the second mistake, which lots of centre backs do. But in this game, you know, it shows that he's sort of growing into position because he makes the mistake and then he sort of he goes to do it and he realizes that he doesn't have to, you know, he's in a really tough area. There's a, there's players to it and it goes out for a corner. And I think that's sort of, that's the maturity we need him to start showing because that shows growth. And it shows, you know, you make that mistake and you're just like, it's the same player. It's the same guy, you know, and we can't we can't move forward. But it does show that he he's learning from his mistakes, I think. And it's the same with Serge Aurier. There were so many opportunities yesterday where he could have gone to the ground. And that I think that's my biggest criticism of Serge Aurier is he likes to go to the ground too often, um, especially in situations where he can win the ball and potentially play. And he's, he, what he seems to be doing, because he is a good defender, he's, you know, he's quick, he's really agile. And um, and when he stands people up, they struggle to get round him. As Werner yesterday got caught with the ball at his feet two or three times. You know, Werner's not slow, especially with the ball at his feet. So, you know, there are good players there. I think... Like as Shawnee said, the fact that there is now people coming for other people's positions is a brilliant thing because you do up your game. You just whether you realise it or not, psychologically you're going to up your game because you want to play. At the end of the day, most footballers want to play, unless you're Benoit Asuokoto, in which case you just want it, <laughs> want it, and then become a porn star, whatever he did. <laughs> Yeah, wheeling around in his smart car. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I thought defensively, very compact again. Honestly, you asked, I can't think of many ch- Chelsea chances they created. They had the ball a lot, but it felt, it felt like nothing was really going to happen. It was mainly shots from range, wasn't it? I think Lloris had one save from Mount at the very end. And then there was another one that Mount put over. And then it was just those crosses from Reese James where I was a little bit like... Ugh! <laughs> might go to if Giroud's on he's probably planting those in the back of the net but it was Tammy and he couldn't quite get his body sorted out for any of them um, yeah, you, much... you... sorry go on Dan go on I had nothing I had nothing <laughs> <laughs> I do find it insane that they don't play Olivier Giroud I know this is a Spurs podcast but it just felt like those crosses to Olivier Giroud I'm a lot more worried than Tammy Abraham and if that was how they were going to play which is basically how they played the entire they must have known we were going to sit in. Olivier Giroud just makes so much more sense in that system. I, I was pleasant. I was pleased not not to see him on the pitch as well. So yeah, I, wrote on Friday, I think Werner yeah. at centre forward as well would have given Roden and Dyer something else to think about. I don't think they'd be as concerned by Abraham as they would have been by just Werner. Albeit difficult for him to get in behind when they're playing that deep. But yeah, I, I agree that there could have been. There could have been other solutions for Chelsea that might have given Spurs more of a headache. And just on Aurier, that header to deny Pulisic kind of at the end when Lloris had come off his line, I mean, that was a great bit of defending. Mm. So yeah, big big surge does look a lot better. But I kind of subscribe to this view that, that's, that's doing the rounds is quite unsubstantiated, that he's just a bit more switched on in the big games. 
Um, yeah. And we haven't kind of seen him um, in a in a relatively yeah kind of low pressure if, if if you can use that word for any Premier League game. But you know maybe a home game where there's less riding on it. Is he going to step up in the same way he did against you know, United City and, and Chelsea? That's that's a question. Is that is that also an argument that he's not having to push up the pitch? as that sort of flying right back like he was last year and so he's not being exposed high right back high right back you know you know <laughs> my obsession with high, high right back. call it by its official tactical yeah, name yeah sorry um, <laughs> it's official name Gal Sacramento's high right back <laughs> uh, which is um, who, who plays that now that's Man United are playing high left back by the way if anyone's noticed Wambasaka doesn't go over the halfway line and Tejas is basically a, a left winger so Check you know, that out. They've been looking at the, the Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, Mourinho is still relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Do you know what, one of the other things that I did um, that I did enjoy, just on the Aurier front, actually, and it goes across the board, I really like the fact that you look at our bench and there are names on the bench. You think, yeah, you're just not going to get on today and that's fine. You know, like with seeing out a game with, maybe three, four minutes to go, it's Ben Davis that's coming on. And the, the Sky commentary was quite, um, I'm not going to say damning, but they certainly didn't seem overly positive towards the fact that Spurs were bringing on Ben Davis with five minutes left of the game. But I had zero problem with that substitution whatsoever. Like, it was just a very practical, smart substitution um, at, at, at the right point of the game. The same with Lucas Moura coming on to just bring a little bit of a little bit of energy to press the ball a little bit, I'm absolutely fine with that. And um, and I suppose, Jude, when you look at the bench, you're seeing lots of players that could make an impact, but Jose Mourinho's not really he give two shits about the idea of, like, I've got to give you the feel-goods. It's a case of, we've got to get a point here and stay top of the table. Yeah, he was obviously just happy with how it was going. Um, so that's probably why he had only made one change uh, before, like, the 85th minute when the Celso came on. And then you did have Ben Davis and Lucas Moura come on. I like I like the the eighty ninth minute substitution for Ben Davis. I love it. It gives <laughs> it. it gives it gives us two minutes to see uh, uh, a as a as an auxiliary left winger. <laughs> Which every now and again he just gets the ball, he just smacks it up the pitch and runs after it. Yeah. Um, which is quite nice, but it was it, it just seemed like he had, they got what they come they came for really. So mm. yeah, that was fine with me. <laughs> Bring I Ben quite... Davis on, get Davinson on, bring them all on. I quite like that Regulon will just test his pace again. I feel like he he never. It feels to me like he never watched the Premier League, and he's just sort of working out now who's fast and who's not by just sort of pushing it past them and trying to race them. He did well, it when we bought a free kick as well. We was yeah, like, that's yeah. not really a free kick. It was. Oh, a free he's kick. he's hold his face. <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely a free kick. He did because he outgassed him. Yeah, he did a few against Walker last last week as well. I was like, ah. Uh, Little man, <laughs> this this ain't the one. Pick your fights. Yeah, it's completely varying distances that will strike the ball. It's not really with any great accuracy. It's not like if I push it five yards ahead, I'm going to get round. They're just like, nah, just ping it and just see who's faster. Let's go. Just a straight <laughs> foot race. Um, let, what, do you know? What, I, I think I think maybe we should include this in the good. How much did you buy Hunter into the? the comments afterwards of him saying my boys are disappointed in there um uh, not at all not at all <laughs> literally not not at all he 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 has done i've watched Mourinho teams do this before 
Uh, they, 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 no ambition to win the game. The ambition is not to lose the game. And if you can win it, you, you, you know, you have to take your chances when you get when you get them. But I mean, honestly, there was the the Bergvine chance, half chance in the first half, and then there was the Lacelso one right at the end, where I don't. He had a bit of a brain fart, didn't he? And you can't pretend that we were sort of battling for a win, especially when you bring on Ben Davis <laughs> as your sort of last hurrah. It, I love. I, I actually quite enjoy the narrative that it created and set because it, you know, lots of people got very riled by it, and and he is trying to get a raise out of Lampard by saying things like, "Well, you know, you know, they they were quite defensive." <laughs> you, you know exactly what he's doing, but yeah, I I I think Hoybier actually gave a very good interview after the game, um, where he was incredibly level and and. And I think that's probably closer to how Mourinho actually felt and the boys actually felt in the dressing room, which was we knew what we needed to do. We needed to not lose and basically not concede. And we've done exactly that. Let's um, let's do the bad bits. So there is certainly something to be said in the bad around the lack of attacking ambition. And for all of the good that comes with keeping a clean sheet, I think in the interest of fairness, we have to address the fact that we didn't even raise half an eyebrow. You know, we didn't we didn't even get into a position where you felt like, okay, we're going to threaten here. Dan, I, like I'm always coming to you on this question first, always. But I do feel like it, this week more than ever is entirely valid to ask the question. Hang on a second, could we have done something a little bit different going forward? Yeah, I think I think. There could have been a slightly different approach. I think one important thing to say is that while I think Jose was a bit disingenuous to say that Chelsea didn't take any risks, he was kind of right in that it wasn't like Chelsea were really going for the three points. I think certainly toward the end, there was a kind of acceptance on both sides that they'd, they'd take a point there. Um, and there, was, there, there should have been a lot of temptation from Lampard to kind of go for it in that game. It was a Bramovic's 1,000th game. Uh, Chelsea would have gone top of the league if they'd won. It would have been a, a big statement if uh, Lampard had beaten Mourinho on that kind of landmark occasion. You know, the, the pupil gets one over the master again. It would have been third in a row in the league. So Mourinho was probably expecting Lampard to fall into his trap a little bit more. And I think had Chelsea been a little bit more adventurous, then just a few more spaces would have opened up at the back for Spurs. Um, and it might have been a different story in the final third. There might have just been a, a bit more um, opportunities there, um, like the Bergwijn chance in, in the first half and the Lo chance toward the end. So I, I do think, to an extent, probably Chelsea's conservativeness slightly surprised Mourinho, which, which was why he, part of the reason at least, he said what he said afterwards. But yeah, look, I've, I've said it many times before, and, and I think even in this kind of game, the point still stands. Spurs are not playing necessarily to their strengths. They're playing to Mourinho's strengths. He's not playing to the squad's strengths. You know, he was relying on defence when he had a rookie defender rather than attack where he had the England captain. You know, but nonetheless, this works for him. It is working for him. I'm still not 100% convinced by Spurs. Like, I don't think the last five games have been quite as smooth as perhaps people have suggested after them. I think there's been kind of a lot of working backwards from the result, but nonetheless, it, it's working. You know, it's on top of the league, so 
I think for now, um, it's quite hard to, to fault it. And I'm not going to be smug when, um, you know, Crystal Palace get a two deflected goals and win <laughs> two nil in a couple of weeks or whatever. Do, do you think though, um, when you look at the the Arsenal result and you look at the way in which they are faltering at the moment, it doesn't. You don't look now at next week and think, okay, we need to start from the back. Do you? It doesn't make you think like we need to be absolutely solid at the back. It's the, it's the fewest amount of goals Arsenal have scored in Premier League history, I believe, by this point. Like, I think this is the lowest goals for tally they've had, or maybe at least in the last like 10 seasons or something like that. It, sort of looking at I mean, it now... My, my think, kind of overwhelming... Go on, sorry. My, my sort of overwhelming view of next weekend is that like, it's a terrible position for Spurs to be in because every single North London derby, the team that's like under the cosh... Um, wins and the team that's the strong favourite loses so it's not the it's not the position Spurs want to be in but I think to actually answer your question um so defences win titles don't they and and I get why Mourinho is, is, is kind of building from the back and I don't expect him to do anything different against Arsenal he'll be you know, he'll be more kind of scared of of Aubameyang and, and giving him lots of space than he than he would be of you know of exploiting um, you know, Bellerin and, and Tierney and co. So, um, yeah, I can't see anything changing too much. Hmm. Go on, what do you reckon, guys? Against I'm Arsenal. not to think about next week as much as possible. Yeah, I, I have to say, if there's one team that's going we can just sit back and assure they're going to shoot their own feet off, it's Arsenal at the moment, to be fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know, we could probably just, we could probably stay on our own half for 90 minutes and they'll end up scoring three own goals. Honestly, the defending last night for the Wolves goals, the general, I mean, the fact the Wolves were cutting through them with two passes and they weren't even particularly killer passes. It was one to the halfway line. One one player running, uh, basically to the area and passing it, and and they were in every single time. And I mean, it's a week is not considering we're all playing in the Europa League this week. A week is not enough time for Arteta to find some miracle um, sort of formation for them. And with Partey out injured, it's going. There, I, I imagine they're going to sit incredibly deep to try and counter us sitting incredibly deep but essentially at some point one one team's going to have to come out um, and play and I, I'd, I'd back Mourinho to know how to draw a team out more than Arteta at the moment that being said when we were terrible for many many years we always managed to sort of turn up in the North London derby but I think without fans I think it's going to be a weird one honestly I think it'll be a very weird game but I don't see it being massively dissimilar to, to the last couple of games to be honest tight well, we might there have a few fans. fans. Yeah, Spurs yeah. I fans. don't think I count two thousand fans. <laughs> what I have to say, like, <laughs> you're not going to be able to hear them. <laughs> you'll hear like you're, the, yeah, the, well, the great sh- thing is, and probably the terrible thing is, the players will be able to hear literally everything someone shouts. <laughs> and in the North London derby, that could be quite quite horrible, I imagine. Yeah, they're only going to let in the fifty-year-old Daves, <laughs> yeah, like all exactly. bold and big beer bellies. Just for the record, stuff. as well, I think. There's a they're looking to split the the fans that are coming in as well. It's not a case of there'll be two thousand fans sitting behind the South Stand goal, mm. roaring the tea. There'll be a real mixed bag of people that are allowed in between corporate 
as well as sponsorship, as well as season ticket holders. Like I, I think it's it's not a, it won't even be a case of there will be two thousand fans sitting in seats dotted around the front rows of the stadium. I, so I'm sort of almost like, yeah, it, it's it's tough one to predict as to how it will actually affect the game in any way. But there's a little bit of me. I know this is naive, but there's a little bit of me that goes, oh. I don't, it would be nice if if Mourinho would let the shackles off for the first 20 minutes. Just give us 20 minutes again, like we did with some of the earlier games. Go and blast Arsenal for 20 minutes and then sit back, you know. Just give us a little taster of that again. But um, I think, on, to be honest, I think probably would be fairly happy with another draw. Um, if we drew against Arsenal, probably be fairly comfy with that. If he took the sting out of the game and made it not a derby, you know. The Wolves game yesterday is basically, I, th- I just felt like the Wolves played exactly how we're going to set up against Arsenal, basically. They sat in where they needed to and they could, they got them on the counter-attack three, four, five times. And um, and then with the last sort of 15 minutes, they shut up shop completely and just said, right, it's, you have to come and break us down and we don't think you've got enough to sort of do that. And Arsenal were completely toothless completely blunt at the top of the pitch for the entire game especially when you consider compared it to what Wolves had going forward um it's a worry for them and I've had a lot of Arsenal fans sort of moaning to me about oh what's the problem who's the problem I think if it wasn't Arteta in charge I think the fingers would be pointed a lot sharper towards the manager um but yeah I can't wait can't wait for the game to be honest with you and I'm gonna try everything in my power to sneak in <laughs> be like that woman that you saw watching Marine who was sort of looking over the fence with a glass of Prosecco <laughs> right over the top um, okay in the ugly bit I'd like to talk a little bit about the uh, the kind of weird the weird and wonderful world of Twitter again unless anyone's got any other uglies that they would like to throw out into the ether which I will absolutely absorb straight away mm, I, I just quite go, like... go on go on Dan I was going to say, uh, uh, there's a conversation to be had, I'm not sure it's necessarily ugly, just about Ndombele's fitness. Because I think it's obvious that you can still go up a level, isn't it? And and I think it's now five starts in a row that he's been taken off at almost the same minute, between 61 and 65. And I do think, you know, he had to play midweek, I think, because Celso had a knock. And obviously Mourinho just doesn't trust anyone else to do that job it's either got to be one of them he's got to play with one of them in every game now which is kind of reassuring but it means that if Lacelso is injured and Dombele's got to do three games in a week and I just think he part of the reason for the second half kind of slump was he faded quite badly and Spurs just don't look the same team when he's when he's not kind of able to to get on the ball um so it's not an ugly thing but it's it's almost exciting that he you know he's surely going to get to a point at some point where he can do 90 minutes you know a couple of times in a week he's obviously not there and I think that is a that's a kind of new level up for the team and him to go to because at the moment it's just an hour he's run himself into the ground and then it's it's normally the Celso. That's hmm. a very good point actually because I don't know whether you felt this Hunter but I I really noticed when we didn't have him around possession wise after he went off you sort of look at me like oh he would have broken that line or he would have got out of that tackle or he would have just drifted through those challenges. Weirdly, that was, before I rudely spoke over Dan, that was the exact point I was going to make about 
about how we keep possession when Undombele goes off the pitch because we just sort of we for the last 20 minutes and this was probably that that last 20 minutes was probably the ugliest 20 for Spurs we couldn't hold on to the ball and it, it does come down to the fact that we didn't have Undombele sort of beating a man and then sort of even playing it backwards but just beating that first man being able to hold off that man and it is a worry it is a worry um I do look forward to when he is able to do that but I I sort of half feel like Mourinho is saying to him go out and run yourself into the floor for 60 minutes and I'll bring you off you don't have to worry about playing the 90 because we also want to get LaCelso on the pitch so yeah it'll be good it'll be good to see when he can do it I mean it's only been a couple of Europa League games where he's sort of done the 90 right I think so um so yeah uh yeah just in general that last 20 minutes I wanted to sort of stick in the ugly it's like not a great game for Lacelso as well which I was kind of disappointed with because he made such a brilliant impact last week and then you know the, we always talk about how the Premier League is about those fine margins and you get one chance and you really have to take your chances and and that minute at last minute and you saw Regulon go up to him afterwards and sort of say what were you doing, mate? I was in. Why did you not just let off? I mean, I don't even know what he was. I don't even. I don't even know what he was trying to do. He was trying to lift it into Kane, maybe. But do you know what it, I would like it to, Hunter? It's like yeah. when you accidentally leave the FIFA controller on alternate instead of classic. <laughs> and it like, just oh, hit all the, the buttons. Button. Yeah, I yeah. Because it was. It was just nothing. It just looked like four different ideas coming together at once in his brain, and that was the outcome, basically. There was a slide pass to Regulon, there was a slide pass to Kane, or there was a cut back to Son, and he just did none of them and just went, right, dinky back you, post, no one's there, all done, do game over. Do you no, think he was trying to chip him? No, I think, he was, trying, was I think he was trying to cross it. But, it was uh, he was trying. He was just overcomplicated it. Um, but yeah... Uh, yeah, basically, just need to be slightly better in possession against Chelsea because you felt like we had tired. The whole team had tired. You know, it is. It's a lot of chat about you know not having the ball is. It's hard shuffling across. It's hard chasing runs. Is hard. You know, you might not notice it, but you know, just being switched on without the ball must be mentally quite tiring as well. So all those things, but you know, we're still learning, and and we came out of there nil nil. So uh, you know, it's good. It's good for now. Yeah, Shawnee Jude, any any additions on there and the ugly bits? Lacelso has brain fades, doesn't he? Is not doesn't seem new, but it'd be nice if he didn't. But you know, it happened. What you, you have do? to. I, I guess we have to kind of hope that he'll, he'll sort of like gently ease that out. I think it's worth remembering that he's sort of the injuries have been a right pain because it stopped him ever really building momentum and it stopped him ever really getting into his stride and kind of it felt like towards the back end of last season didn't it that he was starting to get there and he was starting yeah. to assert himself as maybe like the person that we were looking to take us into the final third and jink through challenges and and he was really important then, but the injuries have just kind of slowed him down. Let's go on to the, the beautiful bits then. Shawnee, you can go first on this. Was there anything that you just loved seeing yesterday? Um, I felt it was a bit vindicating that Spurs looked like the experienced previous kind of titles. I know we haven't, but we looked like that kind of streetwise team. We've looked really effective in that regard. Chelsea were like... Not amateurish, but like we said, like they didn't really make too much with the ball. It was like the crosses from deep from James, the shots from distance. Like they they seemed a bit um, just lacking kind of composure in the final third, and it was nice to kind of have that reassurance that 
this is who we are now and it felt very much like we were going there to defend first place and I think in the stretch of the season that we are in first place that's the mentality we're going to go into games where we have to defend this position we have in the table for as long as we can because that, that will give us the best chance of winning the title so I think that was that's the positive you can spin from this game I guess and I think you probably could put the, the kind of caveat on there about being streetwise and I will use any opportunity to talk about this, man. But watching Hoybier celebrate the ball rolling back to Hugo Lloris, <laughs> like that is everything to me at the moment. His seeing him just like with these double fist pumps, where he's like, "Yes, goal kick!" I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm all over that. That is. Like, I'm desperate to see more of that, and I hope that other defenders are almost embodying that kind of. That's your job, right? You don't need to worry about the goals at the other end. We've got wonderfully gifted attackers that can do that. But your job is to be horrible arseholes that make it a nightmare for the opposition attack. And mm. there is no one who does that better than Pierre-Emile Hoybier at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think Dan Dan probably wants to say the same thing as me. But for the 60 minutes that Ndombele was on the pitch yesterday, it was uh, it was magic. It was poetry in motion. Um, there was there was one moment where he sort of got in between. I think it was Zuma and Kante, and it looks it sort of looks almost messy at times when he plays it between his two feet and does these little step overs in tight spaces. But he got he got caught by the line and he sort of played it between his two feet, did a step over and sort of cut in between them. And I was just like, that is. I made a little. I genuinely whimpered a little bit. I was like, oh. Oh God! Oh wow! <laughs> uh, and <laughs> he still need that final final pass. I think he still can work on. Um, but just he, he. I mean, there are not many people that can shrug Kante off and go around them. And yesterday he did it a couple of times. And I, I thought he he was our most dynamic player by a country mile. And he really outshone the sort of the big boys, the Canes, the Sons yesterday as the sort of main man. Um, and it felt like if anything was going to happen, it was going to come from a moment of magic from him. And that's what we, I mean, that's what we paid for. And it was just great to see it in a really big game, him him sort of tearing it up. And I, I've really enjoyed it. Took great, great pleasure from it. Do you reckon, Dan, that not having Alderweireld sort of stopped him going on another level as well? Because that crispness of pass through into the midfield just wasn't quite there. With Ndombele? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as I said at the top, I do think Alderweireld's passing was, was, was a loss. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it's normally Hoiberg and Sissoko because Ndombele was playing a bit higher. But, I mean, the, the, the main <clears throat> beneficiaries of that are the, are the two deep midfielders who kind of pick it up from the centre-halves. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think on Ndombele, well, we've covered it before and it's, it's just worth raising again. It's, we're just back at... I always just come back to the question of where he should play and it was um, it was kind of interesting to see him wriggle out of tight spots, kind of high up the pitch yeah, on Sunday and you're like, yeah, you know, he's, he's so effective there. But he can obviously do the same in front of the back four and beat the press. And, you know, at some point I, I do... You know, at some point, I do think Mourinho's got to find a way of getting him and Lacelso in the team, and that's that's going to be a really big and difficult challenge because he's obviously got Hoiberg's going nowhere, obviously, and, and and nor should he. So it's got to be Sissoko, but Sissoko was just 
so useful yesterday. I mean, he, he babysat Aurier and Roden for, for big parts of the game, but also did his job in midfield. And he, he's just so selfless that, again, it, it feels really difficult to to drop him for that kind of game. So, I mean, it's a nice problem to have, but, I mean, we, we mustn't forget like how important and how good the Celso was last yeah. season he was basically the best thing about Spurs almost every game for about By three months yeah. the only good thing about Spurs <laughs> yeah. so you know let, let I hope we can find well, we I've got nothing to do with it but I hope they <laughs> can find a way I don't of, know he um, asked you once <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah again. Jose <laughs> I really think drops DM, Sissoko yeah, DM I hope him on Insta get Lacelso in <laughs> Um, yeah, I wonder if he's on that. <laughs> were you were you at the game yesterday, Dan? Did you were you in the press? I was. Era? Yeah. Did yeah. was it because again it's quite hard to tell on TV, but at points it looked like Sissoko was sort of our deepest player at right at right back, sitting in for Aurier to sort of cover Werner's whatever you know Werner's speed basically, and he'd sort of come onto the TV screen. And you're like, where the hell's he coming from? The central midfielder, he's deeper than the back line, and it, you do see. Yeah, I mean, easy to sort for his role to sort of go under the under the radar, but he he really does babysit a lot of people in that squad, doesn't he? We should should just add in yeah, on that answer as well. The, the the beautiful of watching Werner go off. Oh, it it's lovely, a, isn't it? A, that was mm. like a real statement about Sissoko's performance. I thought. Mm, yeah, I could totally agree. I always think when you know someone's been sort of laid out as he's the guy or he's the he's the man we have to be worried about and then they get they get sort of taken off with with half an hour it's like a good chunk of time left the only slight downside is they could bring on Kristen Pulisic and Kai Havertz I was like Jesus Christ it's not bad is it <laughs> sorry Dan go on what were you going to say mate no I was just going to agree with Hunter and say that um Given that Roden played on the right, which I was a little bit surprised about, I thought he might play left because that's where he plays for Wales. But given he was next to Aurier, I think Mourinho kind of rightly you know, thought that could be a weak area. And I think Chelsea knew it too. But when you've got Sissoko, who's so comfortable at kind of just slotting into that almost like right sort of defensive half space, um, it, it makes such a massive difference. And I mean, basically, at, at the end, you just had Sissoko and Hoiberg were just sitting literally in front of the centre-backs. It was almost like a back six. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it works. Yeah. Okay, so next up, it's Lads, it's Lask. Um, <laughs> that's on, uh, that's uh, 5.55 on, on Thursday. Very much a case of wrap everyone in mm. cotton wool and just get through that one with a grubby 1-0, 2-0, whatever. Um, and please don't give a minute to Sonny, Harry, Hoybier, Dyer, Lloris, like Regulon, pretty much. The teams are almost picking themselves at the moment, aren't they, Sean? And you almost feel like the Europa League team steps in. I feel like this is the ideal situation as well because it's players who are trying to fight to get their place back in the starting eleven, But it comes with like a bit of pressure on it because we'd lost the game against Antwerp. Like We have to really win this game we have to take it seriously and we're, we're going away it's not like the comfort of home I know like home field advantage hasn't been a massive thing but yeah it's a decent situation to have it looks like the likes of Delia back in the frame now so that's good I'm looking forward to seeing him on Thursday mm. Vinicius have some confidence Bale will want to be fighting for his place because he hasn't even appeared as a sub in the last two Premier League games so 
I'm sure he has a point to prove. And yeah, it's a nice position to be in. We have such a big squad like this. I think it should just be mentioned just how bad Ludigrets were as well. <laughs> I know yeah, we didn't do we didn't do one on Friday, they were, they were and I know they had uh, COVID in, and injuries. But I, I was watching it thinking, have these lot actually ever played football before? <laughs> because they, they were they were just kicking the ball out of play a lot of the time. No, but I think it's good. Vinicius getting goals is is obviously good, and and like as you, as um, Sean said, it the more the less. We have to play the the big boys, and it more feels like that players are playing their way into the team. I think you're going to get a better performance from that second string rather than oh, it's the Europa League. I'm just going to play in the Europa League. It's like I need I need to take this opportunity with both hands and really grasp it. And I think you did see that against Ludogorets. So as terrible as they were, we pressed them from the start and we didn't let them really play, and it was a good performance. Um, and so, yeah, just more of the same in that one. Honestly, I don't think you have to perform brilliantly to beat Lask and Ludogrets. Um So, uh, yeah, just more of the same on Thursday and then roll on Sunday. Can't wait. If, if we win, um, it does. It puts us on to 12 points. So the jobs are good and in terms of uh, qualification through. Still a little bit of pressure, though, on the Antwerp game because Spurs really want to finish top of that table to avoid any grubby sort of Champions League dropouts that might cause a little bit of a problem. Um, so, yeah, pressure on the Antwerp game, perhaps less so on the, the last game. And you'd think that anyone who's got half an eye on trying to get on the pitch for the North London Derby's got to go out and absolutely smash it and have a worldie. So all eyes on Gareth Bale, I think, mm-hmm. uh, come Thursday night. Um, well, it's been an absolute joy. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the pod. A reminder just to subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a review. It would be very much appreciated. Big thank you to Dan, Jude, Sean and Hunter. We'll be back for a what a night on Friday where hopefully we have schooled Lask and Antwerp have dropped points so it only leaves us needing a draw to go through top of our group and no one is injured and we're ready to smash Arsenal come Sunday. See you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. 
Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.